As was mentioned earlier, uh, next week there will be no Sunday school, and uh, we will we won't skip a, a lesson. We just will pick back up where we left off this uh, today, this morning, and we will continue uh, the the next week. Uh, there will not be a nursery next week. We don't have that on Easter. Uh, if you're worried about your child disrupting the service, don't worry about it. We're in wide open spaces. Um, it'll be just fine. And um, uh, I've always said this. I would rather a child be crying in church than sitting at home. So uh, I'm always uh, good with that. So um, if for some reason you feel that your child gets out of hand, don't worry about it. We have a cry room right back there. Um, you can open up those shades and still be able to see, unfortunately, all of this. Um, or you can leave the shades shut and just cut the sound on and be able to hear it and picture me as skinny. So uh, whatever works for you will work. Um, this is that time of year that we look to the purpose, um, the cross of Christ what Jesus came for. And unfortunately, what he came for was not to be celebrated. He did not come to be um, accepted. Instead, he came for the cross. And it's that cross that I want us to look at this morning, the cross of Christ. And I want us to see why the cross, why, what was the purpose behind it? What, what is it for? So if you have your Bible, if you would, turn to Matthew chapter 27, and we're going to read verses 27 through 54. Let's stand together as we read from God's Word. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort. And this is about 600 men, okay? This was, um, there was fear of who Christ was. They wanted to make sure that he was guarded well. Uh, so the whole Roman cohort to him, and they stripped him. And we, we see a picture of Christ normally with something wrapped around him. Um, we do that probably just for the sake of, of what it would look like outside of that. But the truth is, nakedness would have been what Christ would have been before the world. That's how he bore our shame. That's how he bore um, our sin. And it says, they stripped him and put a red cloak on him. And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. And put a reed in his right hand. And they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and beat him on the head. I want you to picture that for a moment, a beating on the head. It would have been more to just tapping him on the head. It was probably a way to force uh, the thorns deeper into the flesh. And after they had mocked him, they took the cloak off him and put him, his own garments back on him and, he, and led him away to be crucified. They were coming out, they found a man of Cyrene named Simon, whom they compelled to carry his cross. When they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they gave him wine mixed with bile to drink. And after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink it. 
And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among themselves by casting lots. And sitting down, they began to keep watch over him there. And above his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is the king of the Jews. At that time, two rebels were being crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those passing by were speaking abusively to him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself if you are the Son of God. Come down from the cross. Aren't you glad you and I aren't Jesus? Because we'd have come down off the cross, wouldn't we? There would have been a moment that we'd have had with those people. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and the elders, were mocking him and saying, He saved others, yet he could not save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. <laughs> he had something better, by the way. He's like, I don't need to come down from the cross for people to believe. I'm going to let them bury me in a borrowed tomb because I'm only going to need it for two and a half days. He has trusted in God. Let God rescue him now if he takes pleasure in him, for he said, I am the son of God. And the rebels who had been crucified with him were also insulting him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, uh, darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. This is uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who were standing there when they heard it said, this man is calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and taking a sponge, he filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave him a drink. But the rest of them said, let us see if Elijah comes to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Folks, that's good news. There's nothing separating us from God any longer. Jesus has made a way. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. Also the tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now as for the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the other things that were happening, they became extremely frightening, frightened and said, truly, this was the son of God. Is that not awesome? It took all of that for somebody to recognize. Father, we thank you that it wasn't in the power of Jesus coming off the cross because he remained. But instead, it was in the power of his obedience to the Father that people were able to see that he was truly the Son of God. Lord, thank you that he endured my cross, that he endured my pain, that he took my shame and my guilt He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Father, thank you for the cross. And thank you, Lord, that I don't have to be put upon that cross. Instead, I have been given freedom because Christ took that cross and he bore it faithfully. Lord, today we celebrate the work of Christ upon the cross. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Jesus went the way of the cross because it was the only way for salvation. In Exodus chapter 12, if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn there. 
In Exodus chapter 12, we read these words. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. Now, this is a time that you probably studied a little bit about this morning if you were in Sunday school. Um, you knew that uh, there was going to be a point where uh, the plagues were coming and, and they were going to have to uh, deal with these, these plagues. And, and as God is getting them ready for the final plague, which is going to be the death of the firstborn child of the families, God is giving the uh, people of Israel, God's people, an opportunity um, to be passed over so that their child would still live. And it says, now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year for you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel saying on the 10th of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves according to their father's houses, households, a lamb for each household. Now, if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them in proportion to what each one should eat. You are to divide the lamb. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male. That means a perfect male, the very one, the most important one of your whole flock. The one that would have been absolutely the perfect one to breed back into the flock. The one to truly become that, that, that uh, most important of all. So you're to take that unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel to slaughter it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of, uh, of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that same night roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do uh, not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire both its head and its legs along with its entrails, and you shall not leave any of it um, over until morning. But whatever is left of it until morning, you shall completely burn it with fire. Now you shall eat in, the, eat in this way with your garment belted around your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You know why? Because they had to be ready to go. Amen? God was calling them out of Egypt. It was that time. And he said, this is how you're going to eat it? So that whenever it's done and, and they wake up to find their firstborn dead, you're already dressed and ready to get out of there. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and fatally strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the human firstborn to animals and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will come upon you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So here we see the first Passover. This is that moment that that Egypt uh, is about to uh, be in the rearview mirror of of the Israelites because God is setting them uh, a way to get out. He has set it up as a Passover lamb. Once this is done, if that blood is set upon the door, then you will be free. Now, I believe this beyond a shadow of a doubt, that whoever would have done this, including if they were not of the lineage of, of the Israelites, they would have still been safe. Why? Because they were trusting in that blood. They were, they were following the directive of God. Jesus was also killed during Passover. His life was taken just as the lambs would have been. And the reason that this is important is because Christ himself was our Passover lamb. His blood placed upon our hearts, his blood placed upon our life is what brings us salvation. Bruce Demarest writes, 
Every one of the Old Testament sacrifices typified Christ. The Passover or the Paschal sacrifice was a type of the Lord uh, Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. The Paschal Lamb was to be a male without spot and blemish, and not a bone was to be broken. Jesus fulfilled this picture perfectly as the Israelites applied the blood of the, of the sacrifice in faith. So we today apply the spotless blood of Christ to the doorpost of our hearts. In all these ways, Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. Listen to what 1 Corinthians tells us in verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 7. It says, clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. He is declaring here that for those of us who have been made brand new, we recognize the only way to be made brand new was by the Passover lamb of Jesus Christ. It is Jesus, it is, that, it is the cross of Christ that brought us hope. It is the suffering of Christ that brought us hope. Think about this. Here is Jesus. They're, they're bringing him in to, to be crucified. They strip him and put a red cloak on him. Then they twist the crown of thorns and they mock him. They, they spit on him. If you really study scripture, you find that they plucked out his beard. The pain, the punishment that he carried. And yet he continued towards the cross. He continued. The weight of the cross was so great that they had to find someone else to finished carrying his cross because the burden was so great. They mocked him. And they said, if you'll just come down off the cross, we'll believe you. (laughs) Jesus knew the will of the Father, and the will of the Father was for the Son to be sacrificed. So he remained upon the cross. Because of his faithfulness to the Father, we read in that last verse of Matthew 27, it says, Now as for the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the other things that were happening, they became extremely frightened and said, Truly this was the Son of God. It was because he remained faithful that they were able to see the power of God. Because he remained faithful that they understood that he was the Son of God. They saw the works. They saw the things that took place once he breathed his last. And they understood only God could do this for his son. Then we see, we go back again to Exodus 12 where that perfect, unblemished sacrifice had to be made. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. John the Baptist is preaching and teaching and Jesus shows up at one of his uh, meetings. And John sees Jesus walking. And in John chapter 1 verse 29, he says, The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John knew the cross was going to be coming for Christ. And he recognized Jesus as the Christ. But why the cross? Well, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Someone had to pay the debt. Someone had to take care of this. Someone had to, had to go and actually take our punishment and our pain. Isaiah 53 gives us a beautiful illustration of what was to come for Christ. Isaiah 53 verse 1 says, Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we would look at him, nor an appearance that we would take pleasure in him. He was despised and abandoned by man, a man of great pain and familiar with sickness. And like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we had no regard for him. However, it was our sickness that he himself bore and our pains that he carried. Yet we ourselves assume that he had been afflicted, struck down by God and humiliated. But he was pierced for our offenses. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. The punishment for our well-being was laid upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the wrongdoing of us all to fall on him. you're wondering how could God ever forgive me for the things that I've done my friend Jesus paid it all he was oppressed and afflicted yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before it shears so he did not open his mouth by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for and as for excuse me, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living for the wrongdoings of my people, to whom the blow was due. You may tell you whose cross it should have been. Ours, but Jesus took care of that. And his grave was assigned with the wicked men, yet he was with the rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. You see, he, they wanted to put him in with the wicked, be it Jesus, the Son of God, was put in a rich man's tomb, borrowed. But the Lord desired to crush him. Can you imagine that? Did you hear what, did you hear what I just said? The Lord desired to crush him. He desired to put this punishment upon his son. He desired to take what you and I deserved and place it upon Christ. Aren't you thankful that God desired to do that to his own son instead of us getting what we deserved? The Lord desired to crush him, causing him grief. If he renders himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Listen, Jesus was willing to take the cross because he desired, he desired a family of believers who would trust in him. 
And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand as a result of the anguish. Verse 11, of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, for he will bear their wrongdoings. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the plunder with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was counted with the wrongdoers. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the wrongdoers. You see, the purpose of the cross was crucifixion, death, and torture. Jesus took that cross. Romans 5, verse 6 through 12 says, For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Guess who that is? That's us. For one will hardly die for a righteous person, though perhaps for the good person someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. Now, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't say, I'll take the cross when they're worth it. I'll take the cross when they're worthy. I'll take the cross when they do better. Jesus said, I'll take the cross even though they don't deserve it. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only this, but we also celebrate in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Therefore, just as through one man entered into the world, Sin, excuse me, entered into the world and death through sin. And so death spread to all mankind because all sinned. Guess what? When Jesus came, he brought salvation. He brought forgiveness. Why? Because he paid it all. Continue with Romans 5, verse 18 through 21. It says, So then as through one offense the result was condemnation to all mankind, so also through one act of righteousness the result was justification to life to all mankind. For as though the one man's disobedience, or excuse me, for um, through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. The law came in so that the offense would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, so also grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Folks, I don't know about you, but when I see the cross, yes, I see something of crucifixion and death and torture, but also see something beautiful. I see a place where my Lord and my Savior took my place. I see a place of crucifixion, but it was my crucifixion. I see a place of death, but it was my death. I see a place of torture, but it was my torture. And Jesus bore it all so that I might become the righteousness of God. You see, the hope of the cross, forgiveness leading to what? Everlasting life. So, Brother Tom, what do we do with this? Well, we must respond to the cross. We must respond to the cross. 
The Bible is very clear in Romans chapter 10, verse 8 through 10. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what does it say? You will be saved. If you're here today and you say, you know, Brother Tom, I've heard a lot of sermons preached and I've tried to be a better person after hearing those sermons, but I don't really think anything's changed in my life. I'm about ready to just give up on trying to do better. I pray you will give up on trying to do better because you can never do better until you believe upon Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you have never received Christ, oh, you've received baptism, you've received church but you've never received Christ. Today's the day. Today is the day to respond to the way, the truth, and the life. Because no one comes to the Father except what? Through me. Jesus has said very clearly, he is the only way. Why is he the only way? Because he paid it all. And all to him, I owe. Father, this morning we are thankful for the most powerful words given to us in Scripture. We can sit and talk about ton of things, but Father, this morning we have heard straight from you that Jesus Christ paid it all. And the call for us to believe in him to have everlasting life. My prayer this morning is, Father, that we will come to that place, each one of us, and we will say that I either believe Or I'm ashamed of the cross. For me, I believe in the cross. I believe that Jesus bore my cross, my crucifixion, my death, my pain. And he who knew no sin became sin for Tom Dobbs so that I might become the righteousness of God. Father, if we can't say that individually about our own selves, then we don't know who Christ is. Father, thank you for the work of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name.